you. It is a, a beautiful start to a beautiful letter, and it's one that I hope at some point we'll preach our way through. But right now, uh, we're simply looking at these opening couple of verses um, as a way of kicking off uh, these few weeks, thinking about everyday faith um, and uh, making all the difference in the world. You can see our fonts didn't quite work today, but don't worry, we'll sort that out for next week. Um, making a difference. I don't know whether you remember as a, as a child or a teenager, probably most likely as a teenager, when you came across a new hobby. Um, I, my memory of teenagehood is all sorts of things coming and going um, uh, in new interests, new passions, new hobbies. Um, I do remember when in my class at school, Dungeons and Dragons swept through um, the year group. You know, a little, role, little sort of um, role-playing game with dice and little figures and fantasy um, adventures to go on. And... Um, a whole bunch of very confused, perturbed parents thinking, I don't know what this is. I don't know why this is. I th- is it okay? I just, I, but it, yeah, it's a hobby. It'll fine. It'll pass. And for most of them, it did. Uh, for some of you, you're still doing it. That's the way it goes. That's how things come and go. Many people will look at our faith in exactly the same way. Uh, I've met many uh, teenagers over the years who... Um, have come to some sort of faith in their teenage years, and their parents most often have simply said to them, that's nice, dear, and moved on. It's that sort of, well, you're you're a teenager, you don't really know what you think yet, you'll get get through it. And maybe if you're somebody who's come to faith later in life, um, you know, you started going to church when you didn't go to church before, and your friends have looked at you and thought, well, this is slightly strange, but that's okay, I'm sure they'll get over it. Um, They'll probably stop in a bit, or they'll stop when the kids get into school, or whatever it is, you know, you'll, you'll get through. That's nice, dear. Of course, the question really is whether our faith is simply a that's nice, dear thing. There are plenty of that's nice, dear things in life. A a hobby, a sport, a thing that you support. The question is, does it actually make a difference? Does it make a difference what it is that we believe, the life that we're living? Um, And as we've baptized Delia and Theo and Olivia today, the question for them as they grow up, the question for their parents as they grow up is, is this faith simply a, a sort of not unhealthy pastime? Is this thing that we believe just simply something that makes me feel sort of warm and fuzzy inside and that's it? Does it have any difference to make in my Monday through Saturday life? Even more than that, does it make any difference? Should it make any difference out there in the big wide world? I want to suggest that actually these very, very few words at the beginning of 1 Peter, uh, a letter written only about 30 years after Jesus lived and died and rose again, uh, written, we think, from Rome, uh, written to Christians scattered across Turkey. Impressive. Nice. Well done. Uh, that's called on-the-fly editing as we go. Um, but this, this letter and the beginning of this letter that Peter wrote, I think, holds within it a beautiful summary on the one hand of what that faith looks like, of what it means to be a person following Jesus Christ. Uh, actually, uh, as well, a great summary of what it is we've baptized these three children into. But that Peter sets it in a context that gives us a massive clue as to why it is this faith is to make a difference, what it is God's doing by giving us these gifts. Well, let's start at the end first, because in this letter we discover that in our faith we've been given at least three huge gifts. And actually they're gifts that we might think of in Christian terms as as the gifts of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, knowing God 
as three persons, one God, yet knowing him as Father, Son, and Spirit. So what we find in verse 2, that we've been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, that at the end of verse 2, that we are being sprinkled by the blood of Jesus, and in the middle of that verse 2, that we're being sanctified by the work of the Spirit. Now, some of that uh, language feels a bit unfamiliar to us, but in the face of it, it's very simple. To start with, we're given the, the, uh, the gift of being known by God. You who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. You are fully, fully known. Now, we talked about this a couple of months ago. Um, I feel, actually, it feels like about six months ago, but my guess is it's just before Christmas. Uh, we talked about that longing every human being has from the very youngest age till the day we die, to be known. To be known from the inside out, not simply from the outside in. Um, I had uh, the experience just before Christmas of going and visiting um, another church's PCC. Um, I went in sort of with my area dean hat on, just to reassure you, area deans don't have hats, um, unlike bishops. Um, But I, I was going to visit this group of people, and they didn't know anything about me apart from the fact, this is Richard Frank, He's the area dean. That was no doffing of caps, men. Um, and it was a slightly odd experience because most of the time these days I walk into places where people know me. It's, a, it's one of the wonderful things of being around somewhere so long. Most of the time I'm going to places where we know one another or I go to a school and they're usually schools I've been visiting for years. But suddenly I was in a place where they didn't know me. And worse than not knowing me, they did feel they did know something about me. I was the area dean. And it was all thing of sort of realizing that all these sort of expectations, prejudices, hopes and dreams, I mean I was supposed to be there helping them sort out some mess, um, was all sort of landed on my shoulder because I was the area dean. And even at that moment there was a little bit of me sort of wanted to say to them, no, 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 I'm Richard, I'm me, you know, me. We all want to be known, don't we? We want to be known. We want to be known by those who are nearest and dearest to us. So we're growing up, we're desperate to be fully known by our parents, by our family. Uh, We we grow into friendships, and some of us grow into sort of marriage partnerships, and and we're part of families and friendship groups, and and we've got work colleagues or neighbours. We long to be known. And yet, here's the thing, we all of us know that none of us are fully known by anybody. It's one of the hardest things, I think, about the teenage years you realize that you are, on one level, unknowable. There is that part of you that nobody will ever know. There is that level of knowledge that even the closest partner will never completely get. It's quite unnerving, actually. It's part of the teenage angst, I think, of realizing that loneliness of it. But, over and over again, from the very first page of the Bible, actually, through to the very, very last, the greatest gift we're given in Scripture is God saying to you, God saying to me, I know you. I know you by name. I know your heart. I know your dreams, your fears, your thoughts, your attitudes, your history, your future. I know you. Theo, Olivia, Delia are already known by God, their Heavenly Father. You are already known by God. It's a great gift of faith. But, of course, there's a fear that comes with being known. Hang on, there's not every part of me that I want you to know. If you really knew all there was about me, you wouldn't have me preaching, let alone anything else. If you really know my thoughts, 
my attitudes, my instincts, my history. Surely you wouldn't want to know me. And that's where the second gift comes in, this, what Peter uses, this sprinkling by his blood. In Old Testament terms, when you sprinkled something with blood, it was part of the sacrificial life of the temple, and it was to do with forgiveness. It was to do with be your life, which was in, in your blood, that's how the ancients thought of, of blood. It wasn't a symbol of death, but a symbol of life. That blood washing you clean, and it comes through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus' blood washing you clean. You see, the gift of being known is great, but only as far as it goes. What if you're known and rejected? That's no good. Actually, the Bible says you're known and loved and forgiven. That's actually one of the reasons we use water in baptism, because it's a symbol of being washed clean. A gift of knowledge, a gift of forgiveness, but also a gift of being transformed. This sanctifying work of the Spirit. Now, being sanctimonious is one of the worst things you can ever be called. A very positive word has been turned hugely negative. But the word actually means holy, set apart, pure, clean, put right. And this journey of faith begins with being known and being given the gift of knowing God back, continues with being loved and forgiven, but then carries on throughout life of being transformed. That's the work of God's Holy Spirit. He takes what we will be in the future and begins to work that sanctifying work in us now, transforming us, helping us to be the people that we're meant to be. Father, Son, Spirit. Known, forgiven, being transformed. What an amazing gift. That's the gift we've been celebrating for Theo, for Olivia, for Delia today. That's the gift that we celebrate every Sunday for you and I. But that's nice, dear. See, if that's all it is, if it's simply, well, that feels nice. That gives me the warm fuzzies. I feel good on a Sunday, maybe, sometimes. But what difference does it make in our Monday through Saturday lives? Well, what Peter does at the beginning of this letter is he gives us three words that are three enormous clues, well, really one big clue, to what it means to be given that gift of being known, of being forgiven, of being changed. And it's the words that come in verse 1, where he says, to God's elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout. And then he names, I'm not going to attempt all the names like you did, well done. Um, elect, strangers, scattered. Now, to you and I, those are fairly normal words. Elect maybe is a slightly unusual word. It simply means being chosen. But strangers and scattered don't, make, don't sort of ring any bells. But in the language that Peter wrote to the people that he wrote to, those were words that were absolutely packed full of meaning. And they only meant one thing. They dived you into one big story. And they were the story of God's ancient people, ancient Israel. They were the people, all the way through the Old Testament, who were described as the elect, chosen. They were the people who were again and again called exiles, that's that stranger's word, and who were scattered, the diaspora, throughout the world. It was all about them. Now, actually, if you're dived into a story, you have to understand what the story is. Um, I was sorting out some files the other day. I, I don't know why I'm doing that. It was on the computer. I was sorting out some files the other day. Um, and um, I came across um, a, a folder labeled 2005 appointment. So I dived in, 
um, and was finding all sorts of, those of you who, I'm trying to see, there were a few of you around back then. Um, I found one or two letters to do with my interview. Probably shouldn't have been left on the computer, but we won't go into that. Um, and that, uh, to do with my appointment and all of that. And I remembered, um, I then read the parish profile, which is the sort of, um, it's, like the, uh, it's like the particulars of a house when you're going to go and buy it. It's what you send to potential vicars to say, this is what the, this church is like, and this blah, 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 blah. And I was reading what, how All Souls was described 15 years ago. And I remembered the feeling of arriving here the first Sunday and diving into a new story. I didn't know the story of All Souls. I was brand new to it. I'd been in East London as a curate. I'd lived in Northern Ireland when I was unemployed. I'd come here as a vicar. I didn't know the story. But this story that was somebody else's story up to that point was about to become my story. I was, I was diving into it. And, and it's been the joy to then be part of it. Well, what Peter wants to do is to say to you and me, you are being dived into the story, the big story of God's people. And the big story of God's people has these two parts to it that you're chosen and that you're scattered. You're chosen to be blessed, known, forgiven, being changed. God chooses you. God chooses you to be blessed, the elect. But then he scatters you. I don't mean scatters you because he doesn't like you. I don't mean scatters you so you never have contact with anybody else, but scatters you in the sense that what he doesn't want is God's people in a holy huddle over here and the world untouched and unchanged. That instead what he does is he gathers his people together and then he scatters them and they are to become a blessing where they are. Blessed in order to be a blessing. Chosen in order to pass on that blessing to others. We gather Sunday by Sunday. The more often you can be here in church on a Sunday, the more often you get that chance to be blessed, to receive, to get built up, to be reminded that you're known and forgiven and that you're being changed. But then in your Monday through Saturday lives, actually we're blessed in order to be a blessing. We're meant to take that love of God that we've received and pass it on to others. In our relationships, in our working life, in our integrity, in our truth-telling, in our godliness, in our holiness in our family lives, in our parenting, in our uh, alongsiding other people, whatever it is we're doing, we're blessed to be a blessing. We are to make all the difference in the world. So faith isn't to be just a, that's nice, dear. Faith is to be that which changes the world. And we won't change the world by simply camping out in this building. We change the world by being sent out to use the words of the communion service, to be sent out in the power of your spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. So over the next few weeks, we're going to be exploring what it means to be a blessing wherever we are, whoever we are, whatever we do. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter whether you are just nibbling around the edges of faith for the first time or whether you've known Jesus for all of your life. You are chosen to be known, to be forgiven, to be transformed, and then to be a blessing. We're going to pray, and then Carl's going to lead us in some songs of response. Let's pray. Loving Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that you dive us into the story of your people. Thank you that you dive us into this story of a people that are chosen and blessed, and sent, and scattered. 
We so don't want our faith to be a hobby, to be just private, to be just personal, to be a, that's nice, dear. We want our faith to change the world, that you'll make us campaigners for justice, transformers of the environment, parenters of faith, friends of loyalty and love, employees that are trustworthy, managers that care, neighbors that love. Whoever we are and wherever we're going to be tomorrow, bless us to be a blessing, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.